0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. hi O. This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hardwood Knocks. We are very glad you could join us. I'm very glad to be back. I feel like it's been ages since I podcasted. Dan and I, were we were almost in tears talking about it before we started. I know Dan was. Um, I still have the Phoenix. (laughs) Speaking of Dan, he is here with me, Dan Favalli. And today we're going to talk about, I'm sure this will come as a surprise to all of you, (laughs) in the malaise during the All-Star Game and the trade deadline, we're going to talk about trade rumors. Um, And there there hasn't been any real tangible action yet leading up to the deadline but
2: Josh Smith to the rocket
1: (laughs) there's that one and there's Chalmers so yes we do have two real trades but this year there are a ton skydiving this is amazing yeah but you
0: know what else is amazing an iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro really imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera I'm switching that's smart you know what else is smart parachutes woo Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6s for only forty nine bucks. Metro by T Mobile. Phone offer requires port end of number not currently active on T Mobile network or active on Metro in past ninety days. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: Of rumors flying around, and sometimes that means nothing, and sometimes it means lots of trades. I personally love when there are lots of trades. Um, Likewise, <laughs> part of me likes Can the off season more than. Do the you remember system. last
2: year? At oh, like... it was insane. It was just like there was that that four team deal with like Celtics, Bucks, and or whatever happened. Their details were still coming out at like seven p.m. Eastern yeah, time, th- right four at four hours hour.
1: I hope that doesn't set a precedent for this year because I <laughs> that was a, almost too much. Like I would like them to to get a few more of these in a little bit earlier.
2: Yeah, because so I do like the trade deadline live blog, and that was like the most annoying part about it is like you know it wasn't until like five Eastern time we knew that Isaiah Thomas was going to be a Celtic.
1: That was the. I forgot about that. He was that one piece that like nobody could figure out
2: (laughs) what the hell was
1: getting back. Yeah.
2: Now Now, here's a good question. Actually, before we jump into something, do you think it's going to be a dud at the trade deadline this year? I sort of lean in that direction because, like, teams really need to have incentives to make moves because expiring contracts aren't really worth anything this year because everyone's going to have cap space. But at the same time, if you have an expiring contract, why do you necessarily want to get rid of it? Cause you could have even more cap space. But then on the flip side, if you have any sort of long-term deals that were signed under the previous salary cap, like the, in the best terms I could put it, and I said this in our last podcast, Carmelo Anthony's max contract isn't going to look bad at all as the salary cap explodes. No,
1: those are the guys that you kind of want to hang on to like Greg Monroe just signed a max deal and he's not playing. Well, he, I mean, he individually has been fine. The team is not playing well with him, but it's players like them who they're going to be bargain contracts under, under the new cap. But I think I kind of lean towards maybe a slower day too, like you were saying. And for a lot of the same reasons, I don't think anybody really knows what player movement is going to be like in the new cap. And so I think they'll kind of walk cautiously right now leading up to that but i mean
2: i don't know i think it'll be crazier after all the free agency dominoes have fallen teams will be a little bit more used to the situation they also won't have that money necessarily won't have to worry about creating cap space for others but it could end up being a little bit slow until 2017 because the cap is erupting again and i'm trying to remember because even though last year's trade deadline was chaotic toward the end when's the last time we had like an in season blockbuster deal. Was it was it Mellow? That was two thousand eleven. Oh um, okay. yeah. And that was the same year as Darren Williams, right? Yeah, the Mellow Darren Williams deals. I'm I trying think, to think of some something else like in season. I can't When was Powell was like two years before that? Maybe like three
1: years before that? No, he was more yeah. than that.
2: He was he might have like been two,
1: like oh seven. Yeah, oh seven or oh eight. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, so there um, really hasn't been a lot of like NBA landscape shifting deals in the last few years. There could be, (laughs) well, I don't even know if, uh, who I'm going to start with is a guy who would have shifted the landscape a few years years ago. ago. Yeah, but I don't know if he does anymore. In fact, I would probably say that he doesn't. And that's Dwight Howard. And his, his name has been all over the rumor mill. We can't really attach him to many specific teams right now. There are a couple out there. But I'll just start with that. Does he does does he move the needle for somebody? Does he take them from like a good playoff team to an actual
2: contender? The only situation that that would work is if you dated back to his Orlando Magic days, where if you're going to put him on a team that has four shooters around him, none of whom are really true ball dominators, because he's not going to be the guy that's going to transform your defense. If you have a bad defense, he's of course going to help but his rim, pro- rim protection numbers are in steady decline. He doesn't seem like he moves as well anymore. He's only really valuable on offense as that pick-and-roll finisher. He's scoring pretty efficiently in post-ups this year, but they're just ugly and time-consuming, and I don't trust them. He's also speeding toward free agency. I don't know why you would want, unless you're trying to create cap space, I don't know why you would want to take him on. It has to be a very specific situation for him to move the needle at this point in his career especially with the way the nba is trending you want bigs who space the floor and pass and howard doesn't really do either no
1: he doesn't and the first thing i kind of want to key in on what you said was uh his free agency even even if you trade for dwight howard and you get some kind of an assurance that he wants to re-sign with your team how do you fully believe that uh, given his history A la the Lakers yeah with, yeah, with the Lakers, <laughs> and now I mean he 's been with Houston for a few years, but uh, there 's already rumors um, that have come out this week where he's he's him or somebody in his camp is saying that he wouldn 't mind being in Atlanta, so he 's already grown sick of being <laughs> in houston i don't i don 't know if you can confidently acquire him and think he 's going to be a piece of our team for for long term the the one team that does make some sense to me, though, um, is the Miami Heat. That rumor does have some legs in my mind. But when you were talking about how it would need to be a team kind of like the Magic, it actually makes me hesitate a little bit with the Heat because they, they really don't have a lot of shooting <laughs> that they could surround no, him with.
2: It helps that they have more spacing at the four with Chris Bosh than Houston has right now. But Dwayne Wade doesn't shoot threes. Dragic is having a terrible season. There's just everyone else around them isn't playing too well. Justice Winslow I, can't shoot yet. No. I, in, and also, in my mind, that trade doesn't necessarily make sense to me because what is Howard doing for you right now that Hassan Whiteside isn't? Is yeah. this just about, like, Pat Riley saying, I pretty much just want to get rid of Josh McRoberts' deal so I can enter the summer with crystal clear books?
1: It's weird. It's So, to me, I think the only motivation – for Miami, um, is just not having to pay Hassan Whiteside. For some reason, they don't seem too inclined to do that, and I can we can get into the reasons for that, or we couldn't. They're they're pretty apparent. Um, <laughs> but he just like you said, from a pure production standpoint, there there really isn't
2: anything they're going to get from Howard this season that they're not getting from Whiteside. The, the only thing I could really think of is that he actually want Howard, and now you have his bird rights, so you don't have to dip in to the salary cap to re-sign him. But his cap hit is going to be through the roof anyway until he signs his next deal. So unless you know that he's going to accept a discount, so you can sign him early and then move forward. But even that just doesn't make a ton of sense. The, the one team I kind of thought about, just because they're slumping, and I actually don't know if they would do this, is what if you took Wesley Matthews and Zaza and traded them for Dwight it helps the Mavericks in a sense you get rid of Matthews deal he hasn't been great but he's hitting some threes and he's you know they're putting him on some really tough wings every night and he's holding his own after that Achilles injury he would definitely help out the Rockets poorest defense in my mind and then Zaza has been really good at Dallas I feel like he could be the deal breaker like no we don't want Dwight we got Zaza <laughs> yeah.
1: but Honestly, he's, older, yeah, he he's
2: gonna be a free agent too
1: I don't mind that actually I think uh it's kind of crazy. Zaza Pachulia has become like the locker room stabilizer fixer guy. Um, we see what happened to the Bucks after he left. He's been a right. great presence for the Mavericks. Um, and the Rockets... Need him. Yeah, they're a mess chemistry and personality-wise, which is another reason that Hassan Whiteside deal might not make a ton of sense for Houston. Um, it's pretty widely known or agreed upon that their problem is is on that end of the floor or is in in that part of their body being their head. <laughs> um and Whiteside's going to mess that up. But to get back to the deal that that you went with with the Mavs I really don't mind that and Mark Cuban has kind of been playing coy over the trade deadline this this year, I think a week or two ago he said I don't even know when the deadline is. But right. He's always yeah. He's that guy that's willing To make a really big or wants to make big splashy moves and this would be really par for the course for him to acquire a big name like that even if it's somebody who is uh, likely over over his personal hill at this point
2: and the Mavericks always seem to want to throw money at big time free agents you might be able to and I'm not sure But maybe you get Dwight for cheaper than you were going to get DeAndre for. Just looking, I know the salary cap climate will be different, but he's older. Maybe he'll really want to win. Dwight and Dirk can work for at least another year or two, depending on how much longer Dirk Nowitzki wants to play. If you want to keep him, it does make some sort of sense. But, and just because Zaza's, it's not like you have Zaza on this reasonable deal through next season. He's going to be a free agent as well, and he's probably going to get. Ten million per, which is about backup center money in the new climate. It's but crazy. still, I, I yeah. feel like the Mavericks have just chased this, you know, big time big man for so long. They went after Howard in what was it, 2013? Uh, they went after DeAndre Jordan last summer. So I just, I just had a thought while you were talking too.
1: So many people have tried to, or it seems like so many people have tried to convince Dwight Howard that he should be a pick and roll guy and not. A, you know, just a post-up guy like he wants to be. I wonder if Rick Carlisle would be the one who could actually get him to buy into that. And now, and then I just started thinking about, man, Tyson Chandler was so good as the pick and roll guy for Dallas. Brandon Wright was so good in that role. And I, I imagine Dwight Howard could be upgrade really defensively good in that.
2: over any one of those guys. Too. True.
1: Yeah. I, the more you talk about that, the more I kind of like this, this idea of Dwight Howard to the Mavericks. Let's call the, their front office. Right, so let's settle with that. If Dwight needs to
2: go, it has to be to Dallas, probably. I don't mind that at all. I hadn't thought about that at all going in either. Um, um, go ahead. A, another. While I was going to segue. Did you have anything else left to say on? No, that? I was going to move on to the. You want him big on the guy. Jazz? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> Favors I, no, and bear for Howard. Not a um, chance. <laughs> so another big man who's been generating not a ton of tangible speculation, but it seems like the Atlanta Hawks are sort of teetering on the brink of blowing up the roster because they can't recapture the 60-win anomaly from last year. And Al Horford has been among the names. Him and Jeff Teague and even Kyle Korver have been among the names that could become expendable damage or collateral damage. It makes sense. I really like Horford, but he's going to be 30 soon. You have Paul Millsap, who's, who's like the most versatile player in their Eastern Conference, in my opinion, outside of LeBron James, perhaps, and then you have Dennis Schroeder who's ready to take the reins. Uh, if you can get picks and stuff for Hofford and, and Teague and Corver, maybe you expedite your rebuild because Paul Millsap isn't terribly old and his game should age well, but Hofford hasn't been linked to really any teams. The one, the one thing I saw was that Celtics president Danny Ainge was excited about and put excited about, in bunny quotes, uh, <laughs> the prospect of trading for him. That came from Chris Mannix. Uh, over at the vertical slash c s n New England, I love hawford on the celtics i they The Celtics are already the third best team in the eastern conference and it 's terrifying to think what they could do with Hofford. but my first question for you if you 're the Hawks, would you move hawford who's going to be a free agent and two you know where what would you move him for? Where do you want to see him go well I think the uh, first of
1: all, I agree with you um it 's I think it's logical that they're looking at possible trades for Horford, Teague, and Corver. This group, as exciting as they were last season, I never really bought them as a legitimate title contender, and I think we're seeing more now kind of what they were maybe supposed to be last season. I know That might not sound fair, but they had a ton of <laughs> crazy wins last season during that win streak. They just got hot. They wrote a ton of momentum. And I I just don't see this current crop as a title contender. So in answer to the first question, yes, I would look at options for them. And the Celtics thing makes a lot of sense to me if they can get that coveted Brooklyn pick. And that's where I think this deal hits a snag because from what I've seen, Boston is very reluctant to move that pick.
2: There are maybe... At this point, until you know who that player is gonna be, there might be seven players I moved that pick for in the NBA. And someone who's on an expiring contract wouldn't be one of them. Because even if Hawford says he's interested in re signing in Boston, there's no there's no way you can justify giving up. Like that Brooklyn pick could realistically become it's Ben Simmons. And that's have a bottom yeah. three record. So if but you're the if Celtics...
1: I mean, it's still a risk for whoever takes it on because what if it's not top two? Like, what what is this draft after Simmons and Ingram?
2: Yeah, I mean that's tough. There's, I'm not even going to remember how to pronounce his name, so I don't want to butcher it. There's someone I'm excited about. Uh, where is he coming out of again?
1: Is there Dragon is it, Bender?
2: It, yes, out of Croatia, and he would be, he would be super fun. I I look at this and I see. Five really good players at the type. I've heard a lot about Buddy Heald. I like That's Heald, better.
1: but I think you can get him closer to ten. If he's still there at ten, I'll be surprised. It's. I think it's going to be a. I think he'll just be like your classic four-year slider because he's been in college for too long. Teams are going to think that he doesn't have upside.
2: It would be different, then I guess, if Hawford wasn't entering free agency. And the other thing is, is the Celtics really have no reason to give up that pick because they're already the third best team in the East. I agree. Um, The deal that I personally came up and then ran by Adam, uh, we sort of collectively came up with it together, was, um, where is it? So the Hawks get Avery Bradley, R.J. Hunter, David Lee's expiring deal, Jared Sullinger, Boston's 2016 first-rounder, and that top-seven protected Dallas first-rounder. And then the, the Hawks would send the Celtics, Hoffer, Corver and Cephalosha. I, okay. <laughs> run
1: run, uh, Atlantis Hall to me one more time, quick. Avery Bradley. Okay.
2: R.J. Hunter. Okay. David Lee. Sullinger. And two firsts. Boston's 2016 and Dallas is 2016. So two middle of the first... Well, one late first round, one middle of the first round, probably. Both, cool. like, closer to the end. But... If you look at it, it is two first. Go ahead. Right. It's two firsts. And then RJ Hunter at this point is really like a third first. Yes, they're all low to mid end first. But you're getting three firsts for an expiring contract plus two legitimate rotation guys in Bradley and Sullinger. And David Lee probably helps them more this season than they realize because he can be, he's not going to provide the the shooting necessarily that Hawford does. Or the defense, but he can pass, he can shoot long twos. He could help them still make a playoff push after dealing one of their second best player in Hawford. I don't know. It's tough. I I do
1: I don't mind the deal, but I think I don't know what if it makes need... them better right now. And that's You not the Hawks, they either need to get better now or they need to bottom out, right? They don't want something that just. Well, kind bottoming of,
2: out is, is kind of out of the question at this point, though. Yeah, that like, could be. Maybe in the maybe long term, but you still have Millsap, and right now you're fourth in the East. What's it going to? You're not going to enter the conversation for a game changing pick this season.
1: So does. So, so you're making this move. Atlanta's making this move to just have a. Like a few flyers at the end of the first round, basically. Because Sullinger and Avery Bradley don't make them better than Teague and Horford do, I don't think.
2: Well, Bradley is insurance against Baysmore leaving. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I, you don't know if you're going to lose. I mean, I don't know what's going on with them and Teague. Maybe he would leave in a separate deal. Corver's getting up there in age. You get younger with Sullinger, who doesn't really know if he can be a stretch for yet. He's tried, and he is going to be a restricted free agent. Maybe the Celtics have to grease the wheels with another first, but even that just seems like an overpay. It, for me, it gives the Hawks the best of both worlds where they can start a miniature reset without going Sixers-level crap.
1: Yeah, it could be a way to like rebuild while not rebuilding, which is something that you know other teams probably should have thought about doing instead of bottoming out for four or five years. Right, Um, Man, but I... (laughs) I know that Boston's probably hanging up the phone
2: on me, but I I just really would want that pick. You would have to... For for them to make it worth Boston's while, um, and I guess I'm not going to know off the top of my head if these these salaries work, but if Boston is going to give up that pick, they're going to need to give, let's say, David Lee, and then I'm going to want... Horford, Corver, and Teague, so they're going to have to send back, let's say, Jarebko, and that's, I think that's the bottom
1: out option for Atlanta, right? And like you would have to, they would have to just be willing to gut it, and then, like I said earlier, even that's a pretty big risk for Atlanta because what if Brooklyn suddenly ends up being the fourth or the fifth worst team in the league by the end of the season instead of the third or the second?
2: Yeah, and you could have gotten, you could so have gotten like,
1: players. Yeah, I honestly think the Nets pick is trickier than people are making it out to be. Even if it they're the, even if they're the worst team in the league by the end of the season, what's that a 25% chance at number 1? Right. It's Erdo, really my
2: first suggestion.
1: <laughs> it's really scary uh, to acquire that pick mid-season, I think. I've I I think most people know I'm a pretty big Jazz fan, and I've had this pet trade in my mind for months now. Where they would yeah. trade Hayward and favors for uh, for Lee's expiring Johnson and the Brooklyn pick, but it's it's so extremely risky. But the the like tantalizing thought of having a Simmons go Gobert front court is just crazy to me. Twenty five percent chance would be the best bet that you would have. On I know, that, and that's why I, every time it, I think about it, I'm like, they could. There's no way
2: you they could, could probably possibly dangle do that. that offer if the Lakers won the lottery and they would probably <laughs> take it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, because they would, they would want something more accelerated. Right. So I think it could get interesting once we know where everyone lands in the lottery, then maybe you'll see. But that's not really—Atlanta doesn't have that option because Horford's yeah. going to be the free agent. But if you're going to give up the Brooklyn pick, and I don't even think this is would do it for me, the Hawks would have to take back Lee, Jarebko, and Terry Rosier or however you pronounce his name. Rozier, Rozier, yeah. Terry Rosier. And then you have to give them Horford, Tegan, Corver. And I'm not, you might even need to give them your first rounder this year. I'm just not, like, Horford is entering free agency. What's funny is I don't really see another fit in the NBA unless the Hawks are going to maybe talk shop with the Nuggets and try and poach, like, some of their frontcourt talent. Like, you can make a case for. I don't know, Horford, and I don't know why the Hawks would want Kenneth Reed, and that's big salary matching right there. So maybe you would want Gallo, uh, but then you're still facing the same problem in a couple of years where he hits free agency. I don't actually see a better fit for Horford outside of Boston.
1: I just had one dawn on me um, without looking at what assets they could send back, but Memphis suddenly needs a center.
2: Who are they going to give,
1: though? That's, that's what I was just men- wondering. Mark Gasol, maybe? <laughs> well, I don't think they go there, but yeah, I Why don't know who they, they would do. If They not have
2: Horford and Gasol, that'd be stupid.
1: Yeah. Horford was a four in college, though. I don't know if it really works in the NBA, but...
2: That's also true. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough to find, again, a team that I think could offer the Hawks enough, slash yeah. would be willing... To offer them enough I think for- that's the problem, especially with I'm going to go back to that pick
1: one more time i don't I don't know how I don't know how you can move some of these picks without the lottery shaking out first, like you were saying, and then it, it's even harder to move it because if it does stick at number one then you, then you're truly asking for a ransom.
2: Right. The Celtics, if they're going to move it, and I'm not convinced they will, just because look at how good they are already without touching this roster. Yeah, just add Simmons to that. Or Ingram or Or Bender would work on that team. Uh, But it would be after the lottery shakes out, because then you could be, you know you're in the top three, and you're pretty much saying, hey, give me Blake Griffin. Yeah. Or, hey, give me...
1: Marcus Cousins. That's when they can maybe make that like Kevin Garnett Ray Allen trade, right? That they that they pulled off in oh seven or whenever that was oh six. Um, anyway. But speaking of Blake Griffin, yeah, maybe we should move on to him now.
2: That was um,
1: a nice, Burton segue. <laughs> yeah, Blake Griffin suddenly available. Who who would have imagined this a year ago that Blake Griffin would be? And there's conflicting reports on this, but every other day you see something that says the Clippers are actively shopping Blake Griffin. The Clippers are not shopping Blake Griffin, but the rumors are there. And reportedly there's already been a deal shot down. Um, (laughs) One that you talked about on Twitter. I'm just going to throw out the pieces and then we can talk about it. Blake Griffin for Nikola Jokic, maybe the most underrated, probably the most underrated rookie in this class. Um, Will for Barton, sure. sixth man of the year candidate, D'Niall Gallinari, who is like the poster child for modern NBA offense, and then Kenneth Farid, who I don't really have a, a funny thing to say about. Um,
2: <laughs> the Nuggets reportedly turned that down. Do you think that was smart on their end? For sure, absolutely. I'm not trading Jokic for pretty much anyone at this point. they are only just because of what he might turn into. Mm-hmm. You could justify doing that if he wasn't included. I don't like the idea of giving up Will Barton, but you do have enough, I guess, talent on the wings in Wilson Chandler when he comes back next season. We've seen Gallo be able to play some three. There's that, but I'm not. That's way too much a for huge Griffin. a You have to look at Griffin in my mind. If you're not acquiring a star with more than a year left on his deal, like if Griffin isn't, agreeing to waive his player option for 2017 free agency, you have to treat him as a quasi expiring contract because he might, he's not going to play until about April this season after he heals and serves his suspension. And then he has a year and then he's a free agent. You can't mortgage your entire future on it. Yeah. You would have to have, you would have to have some
1: sort of intense sales pitch ready for Blake Griffin. If you're going to give up that much, um, Denver's a great place. I live close to Denver. I could maybe try to sell him on it, but it's certainly not New York or Los Angeles. Um,
2: Not even that. You're selling him on a rebuilding team. Yeah. That's the other issue. Here's
1: here's what you can maybe sell him on is... Weed. (laughs) Maybe that. The other thing is now you are officially the guy again. You've kind of had that mantle taken from you by Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan in Los Angeles, and we've seen what you can do. When Chris Paul is hurt, so it's going
2: to be weird when Nikola Jokic ripped that title from <laughs> his bare hands. <laughs> that
1: could be. Um, I actually, I do not mind the framework of the deal, and I actually posted a picture of a trade machine idea on Twitter a few weeks ago, with the exact same thing except for Nurkic instead of Jokic. Um, Adam, does will that get grabbed. you any closer?
2: Right, I thought you were saying you liked it with Jokic in it, and I have a big problem with that. Oh, no, I don't, no. For the Nuggets, I like that, because you need to, you have Lavernier there still, and you have Jokic, and you have Gallo. You can go, if you get well, Blake, those are your four guys. I would, I think they would have to include Gallo to get Blake. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But you, So I'm saying those are your three guys. You have Lavernier coming off the bench, you have Jokic at center. You still have Griffin Ludio the and
1: Harris in the backcourt, which is a decent young backcourt.
2: The only thing that's tough is I really like Will Barton for them, but I think he's a player you would sacrifice. I don't want he's gonna his career will get ruined in Los Angeles under Doc Rivers or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, I don't know why the Clippers do that because you don't really have a use for Nurkic. He would be the best backup center in the league probably. You would need to find a third team that's willing to send like another piece to the Clippers. I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't know what that piece is
1: but is it like I actually think this deal I think the I think the Clippers win this in a landslide in the short term honestly cuz like you said Nurkic is maybe the best backup center in the league on a rookie contract uh if he works out then you I mean you have to figure out something at the end of that deal if not you just let him walk will barton starts at the 3 they haven't had a competent fifth starter all season long um gallo starts at the 4 talk about a perfect <laughs> Compliment to a Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan pick and roll. And then you still have Paul and uh, Reddick in the backcourt. Like, i I love that Clippers starting lineup if they were able to pull that off, which it doesn't look like they'll be able to. But
2: I would wonder if you could, again, how much, how many minutes is Nurkic going to get when you have DeAndre playing like 35 to 37? Very few. Now? What does Maybe. Nurkic
1: shoot from the line? Um, you
2: know,
1: I, I got to look know. that
2: up. Hey. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. Could you maybe send – it would probably – you need salary fodder to – oh, he shoots 63.8% from the free-throw line, by the way.
1: You well, I guess need, it's
2: still better than DeAndre, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you could put him on the floor late in games, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But maybe you could send Nurkic to Boston, and you could get them to send the Clippers Avery Bradley, like, and then the Celtics can take back Crawford or Stevenson along with Nurkic because the Celtics don't really have a long-term five – I'm not convinced they're going to keep Sully after this season. They're not going to pay him up the wazoo, I don't think, unless they know that they can move him for whatever they sign him. You have Kelly Olenek. He can play the four of the five. You throw Nurkic in the middle. He's a pretty good rim protector. Uh, He can score in the post. He's not a bad passer. That would be interesting. I don't know how high they are on Avery Bradley, but you have a ton of wings in Jay Crowder, Evan Turner, Marcus Smart can pretty much defend three positions. James Young might need to get some burn eventually. That would be, I just think you would need to send Nurkic somewhere else because you can use Jokic in Los Angeles because you could technically play Gallo at the three, throw Jokic out at the four, and play DeAndre at the five. But you can't do that with Nurkic. I'm with you. I would play Gallo and DeAndre at the four, five. But you can't justify really doing anything with Nurkic if you're. It's a great asset to have, but yeah. he makes so little, and the Clippers are capped out through the roof. What are you going to turn him into? Yeah, I mean, you raised some good points.
1: If it was me and and I could get Denver to say yes, I wouldn't mind just bagging him as your backup center for two years.
2: That that's fine too. Um, I would be really upset to see Will Barton leave. Uh, Denver is such a fun team. They're not good yet. That's the and thing that's with issue.
1: this. And, and I understand Denver being hesitant to send these guys away, but do you? Are you going we want to, to consolidate? Are you, yeah. Are you more likely to win a, t- a title with four or five fun guys who are decent players or one superstar who can maybe attract another superstar and a bunch of role players? Like, w- just from the basic history of the league, you generally need a superstar to be an actual contender.
2: The other thing that's really appealing for me to this, and I'm assuming the money works, I I didn't even put this through because Gallo and Farid on their own make twenty five million combined this year. Oh, Lance doing, Stevenson would all so Yeah, I would to get rid of Farid's deal if I'm the Nuggets, that would be that would definitely be something because then you're gonna enter with some extra cap space this year, or at least because Farid and Gallo make more than Griffin combined. I and then in two thousand seventeen you're going to have – you're more attractive with Griffin as a free agent yep. destination. I, I totally agree. I think W three is a big part of it. That – I totally – and that's how that's how far we've come
1: where I forgot about Kenneth Reed being Yeah. About. Isn't it crazy how many good front court players Denver has
2: suddenly? Right. So I would do the deal without Jokic. If you want to give up Nurkic, that's fine. I would do the deal. I would too. <laughs> and I would do it from cl- the Clippers
1: then too. I think in the short term, Gallinari – makes them better
2: in the right. very, and very short term. You've seen it because I think right now what they're doing is more indicative of what they could be. Exactly, it's probably not sustainable because you don't have a reliable stretch four. Yeah, just think, like, about,
1: just think about Gallinari as your stretch four instead
2: of 30, 100-year-old Paul Pierce. Right, or <laughs> Wesley Johnson, brick and green. Yeah, exactly. after the occasional hot streak. Uh, again, and that lineup is scary. I don't know how many times I've said again during this podcast. Anyway... <laughs> but so their starting five would be DJ Gallo, Will Barton, JJ Redick and Chris Paul. Yeah. That and probably be the best starting lineup in the league outside of Golden State.
1: Yeah, I was going to I was going to say suddenly they do have a chance to beat those teams that they don't have a prayer against right now.
2: Well, so if we're talking in terms of them wanting to immediately dethrone the Warriors and the Spurs, and I think that's what also throws a wrench into this is that teams are probably planning not just their moves now, but their futures around the reins of Golden State and That's San Antonio, true. because why go for it when you really don't stand a chance? You really need to be right there, a.k.a. the Clippers, the Thunder, the Cavaliers, I guess. From, with that mindset, we move over to Carmelo Anthony as the centerpiece <laughs> of a potential Blake Griffin deal. I personally believe, as someone who would love to see the Knicks get Blake Griffin, that would be an awful deal. I don't care what else is included for the <laughs> Clippers. Like, what do you... You give them Melo, Apollo and Calderon, and then you can take back Stevenson and Griffin. Like, that's your selling point, is really what it is. I think, again, you would
1: if you're on the phone, you just have to pitch it as a fit thing, just like we pitched Gallinari to the Clippers. Because in a vacuum, Gallinari's not a better player than Blake Griffin. But I think he is better for that team than Blake Griffin. And I think you could conceivably think the same thing about Carmelo. If Doc Rivers was smart enough to play him at the four, which I'm not sure he would be. But Carmelo Anthony is your stretch four. Um, he, Scary, obvi- though. Yeah, he obviously has a history with Chris Paul. Uh, they're friends. Him spacing out pick and rolls with between... Uh, Chris Paul and DeAndre. So you've got you've got Mello and Reddick now on opposing wings around those those pick and rolls. That's
2: a good Mello's very a good spot offense. up shooter. Yeah. He's turned into a pretty good one. He's gonna get it a ton be, of open looks with Paul as his point guard. The the other thing to justify it, still not a fan of it, but over at ESPN.com, Jordan Brenner of ES, ESPN the magazine wrote an article about why the Knicks should trade Carmelo Anthony now. The issue isn't so cut and dry as people make it out to be because I don't necessarily believe that there is that Blake Griffin trade out there. And if you're the Knicks, you have no incentive to accept anything other than that type of return because of who Anthony is. But he did point out that Anthony's production over the final three years of his deal should hold pretty steady, which is another way you look at this. Hey, he's going to be 34 when it's over, going on 35. That's not horrible. The other thing is, and maybe this is a detraction. He has that early termination option uh, before 2019. So he could play the next two years. And maybe he'll want that last long-term deal and opt out or use his early termination option. You're not married to him for the next three years then. Yeah. And would, again, like you said, the fit. But it's just Blake Griffin is five years younger. Yeah. And I think...
1: I think ultimately whoever gets Blake Griffin is probably going to win the deal in the long run. Like the Clippers could get a little bit better, a little bit better chemistry for a year or two. But I, when Blake Griffin is healthy, he's 25, 10 and five. And DeMarcus cousins is probably the only other player in the league who can put up that kind of raw production. Um, he, he's amazing. And, Like I said earlier, when he played without Chris Paul last year, or maybe it was the year before, he was somehow even better. So I think in a year or two, whoever would get Blake Griffin would probably be very happy with what they had to give up. Um, But I think there are a couple of teams, and I think we named a couple, that could maybe make it worth the Clippers' while um, here in the short term.
2: Boston, Denver, and maybe New York. Yeah, you seem it's odd that you're more about the New York deal than I actually. Am. <laughs> and it's you know what actually is I guess a factor? What if Blake Griffin's one of my biggest knocks on him, aside from the defensive part of his game or lack thereof, he doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but the last two seasons he has shot some and he's done pretty well. He was forty percent last year, ten of twenty five, six of seventeen this year who's to say that he doesn't eventually make that trip consistently beyond the arc because you look almost 40%, uh, excuse me, almost 46% of his shot attempts come between 16 feet and the three point line. You don't really want those shots to be taken, but he's right there. Yeah. If you can just get him to extend that
1: range by a couple of feet, which is not inconceivable, his jump shot is ugly as crap, but it's, it goes in. And like you said, he's been
2: fairly effective even from three lately. Go ahead. Why wouldn't you try to turn him into that then if you're the Clippers instead of trading him? Just because you've seen I, that this is the model that works, wouldn't the preference be to let's try him. and make him do this? Or is it, like you said, we need to win against the Warriors and the Spurs now and we can't wait for Griffin to take another year to turn into Danilo, let's say. I think that's part of it. And I also think...
1: If they really are actively shopping him, as some reports have suggested, I think there would probably have to be something behind the scenes going on, too. And we've wondered like punching an assistant yeah. manager? <laughs> Which was not so behind the scenes. But we've wondered about the Clippers and their personalities clashing for a few years now, and maybe it's just coming to a head right now, Wasn't and
2: they want to get out from under One of the issues it. with DJ's free agency is he wanted Blake Griffin to assure himself or ashore. He wanted an assurance that Blake Griffin was going to be in Los Angeles in 2017. And Griffin even said, I think this was in an ESPN.com story, I think Shelbourne and Tim McMahon did a phenomenal job on it, where Griffin just told him, you do you, like, pretty much. <laughs> and maybe that's another thing. Do the Clippers think that Blake is out of here? Yeah, after, that could be. After next season. Maybe they thought they were never going to lose DeAndre, and it was Griffin who was the real flight risk. That could be. I never thought of that in
1: terms of this conversation that we're having with Griffin now, but that would certainly be something LA would have to consider. Um, before we move on for him, I just from from him. I just want to mention real quickly how perfectly he would f- Griffin would fit in either Denver or New York next to Jokic or Porzingis. Right. Like, both of those guys just seem like
2: almost perfect compliments to him. Uh, you, hey, Porzingis Griffin, sign me up for it. You have the defense behind him. Um, are the I mean, what is the difference though from them defensively than DeAndre Jordan? If the the difference is offensively because they can shoot, yeah. and DJ can't. And I think they're both already smarter rim protectors than DeAndre Jordan. And they're, and, they're also both like twenty years old. All right, that too. Uh, yeah. The other thing is Porzingis can defend point guards, and DeAndre yeah. can't.
1: I think, I think both Jokic and Porzingis have more defensive versatility than
2: Jordan had at, at their age. Right, and Jokic is going to get there because he was overweight when he first went to the Nuggets, and he slimmed down quite a bit. Yeah, so I think both there. of those guys are incredibly versatile. I, the I just, Nuggets have the more attractive package to offer, in my mind, by far. Definitely. It allows the Clippers to balance now with later... And if you're a responsible president, like we have to assume Doc Rivers is at least trying to be, doesn't that have to be at the forefront of your mind later as well? Because even if he doesn't want to coach, is he's just in this until he's done and then he wants to leave, because this isn't a guy who's going to make necessarily the best decisions for your franchise. He's going to go all for it now, and when his window expires, he's going to walk away and leave you in shambles.
1: Yeah, and I think (laughs) we would like to maybe think that about Doc, but... I think we've had plenty of examples over the course of the history of the NBA that would suggest that team presidents don't always have a team's future in mind. Um, Anyway... anyway, Yeah, we've hashed Blake Griffin out plenty. Um, What about the Orlando... Rubio? Oh, yeah, Orlando. Which one do you want to do? We can do Orlando or Rubio. It's up to you. Let's go Orlando. They have more pieces to work with. So they have... Apparently, and this is just another report, and you know who knows where this stuff is coming from at this time of the year, but Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris might be available, which is a little surprising to me. What about you?
2: It's not surprising given what the Magic have become. Uh, Skiles brought Oladipo off the bench for like 20 games. He was trying like that. Peyton and Oladipo don't necessarily work together in the backcourt. Tobias Harris really needs to see more time at the four, but you have so many wings. You, you have Herzogna. You have Fournier, who's going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, what do you do with, with all that talent? And they want to win now. That's presumably why they hired Skiles. He's not a guy known for developing these young guys. He was probably issued the edict of win as much as possible now, get us to the playoffs. And if they're looking to consolidate in, in terms of a star – Harris's deal isn't going to look bad by any means under the next salary cap boom. And Victor Oladipo doesn't even enter restricted free agency until 2017, and seldom does someone who is or who looked like a borderline star last season, seldom does he become available before his rookie scale contract is up. That's a really big opportunity for some team.
1: See, that's, that's why I'm a little confused more about the Oladipo being available, Because I I know that him and Peyton don't work well together. In fact, they're terrible together. Um, and we can look up their two-man net rating or whatever. But like you said, he's still on his rookie contract. And he still, to me, looks like he has star potential. And if I was faced – like those two don't work together. If I was faced with the choice pick one or the other, I, I would want to keep Oladipo
2: between Peyton and Oladipo? Yeah. I'd agree with you. Peyton is more of a pure passer. But I guess you don't really I don't, you're probably not
1: going to get as much from Right. Peyton.
2: Oladipo is legitimately probably a fringe star. Yeah. Um it'd be interesting to just see like I don't I, I don't know what so they they need either a point guard or, or I guess what do they need? You have Vooch jumping center, Aaron Gordon is eventually, I'm convinced he's either going to be a stretch four or a stretch five. I love that kid. I'm I'm convinced he's, someone tweeted the other night, he better win this dunk contest because he sucks at everything else. <laughs> and I was like, there's oh, someone I to see yeah. Aaron Gordon play. What do they need? Like, what are you hoping to consolidate into? They're not really a that's team a good question. unless they're going to trade Aaron Gordon as well. They're not someone who needs to go after Blake Griffin. They're not someone who needs to put. They could put together a really nice package for Demarcus they could, if they wanted, but why would you want him? You wouldn't. I don't know. That's the other thing too. Is like, so you want to
1: consolidate into, into a star center, then you're including Vucevic, right? Or if you right. or it's, if it, you want to get a star power forward, then you you're including Aaron Gordon. So I don't, I don't really know what specifically <laughs> they'd be after right now.
2: There's no, there's no like up and coming. Star shooting guard, maybe, maybe they're planning on making a run at DeRozan this summer, so they view depot as expendable. Yeah, but they, I just that doesn't don't get see... me too excited. No, <laughs> <laughs> they went hard after Millsap last summer. He would've been a good fit for them. Maybe yeah. he's trying to put together a package for Kevin Love. Then you have a stretch for.
1: Yeah. I, I, Here's the I, thing I that's about that's weird about the Magic conversation to me. I don't I don't know why, but. Um, all these stars were mentioning that they could go after it just doesn't really feel right in Orlando to me for some reason like Kevin Love and Alfred Payton and and <laughs> Mario Hazonia, like that's just kind of a weird core
2: if you're giving up Oladipo and Harris you're sold on Hazonia and Fournier, right? That's why you're doing this I would this? think so, yeah and maybe that's why you're just trying to go for the extra piece but who who is that extra piece? I don't know
1: it seems like we're kind of lost on the magic. <laughs> Maybe you go Gallo,
2: but that's too much for Gallo.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I I think they would have to be they've got to be thinking star if they if they're putting possibly their two best young players on the market.
2: Right. Would the could the Celtics work out as a trade partner, but again, who do you want? The Celtics don't have a star. So
1: I think yeah, if you swap with the Celtics, you're you're basically Throwing role players for role players.
2: You know what? You go Oladipo. This probably won't work financially. I'd have to look at the If you go be go Oladipo Harris for Jimmy Butler. Done. Blow it up. Uh,
1: I don't I'd know. I'd like that, that from the. Yeah, that's not enough for Chicago, right? Or you is think? It? I don't
2: know. Depot's on a rookie contract. You finally have a good point guard because Derrick Rose is poo. Yeah it's well, probably
1: not a- i guarantee you hoiberg would try and play oladipo and rose together
2: <laughs> well it'd be a little bit more versatile than some of the other lineups he's dealing with right now
1: yeah maybe i don't know if anything is versatile with derrick rose out there but that's a that's a different conversation i'm just trying to
2: think of the star <laughs> that they could go after and it's not co- maybe would phoenix be willing to try and get like eric Bletso for Harrison and oladipo would be super interesting but how much faith then, do you have in those Yeah, health? that's what I was going to say. If you're Orlando, you're really rolling the dice with that. These are quality ideas that we have to shoot down because none of them make any sense. Yeah, and this is,
1: I'm sure, to some extent, what's going on in front offices, just having to throw out whatever crap they can think of and whatever sticks. Maybe that's what they pursue. Speaking of crap that
2: has stuff <laughs> Ricky Rubio is apparently oh. available for the Timberwolves. Um, he so I, has never shot even 39% from the field I just want to start off with this over his, he's in his fifth year he's never shot even 39% from the field, he's in the first year of a four year, $55 million extension we've seen point guards who can't shoot very well thrive at points in today's NBA, but who's taking on his contract, it makes sense that the Timberwolves would want to move him, get Levine more touches you could finally iron out a role for him as the primary floor general, also help Andrew Wiggins become that point forward a little bit more because he's not there yet. And for the love of God, as an aside, stop using Andrew Wiggins as shooting guard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think Minnesota needs to... I think it's time to move on from Rubio. Um, Where? Yeah, that's the question. Him and Alfred Payton would be fun together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Very fun. Alfred Payton can actually kind of shoot now. So, yeah,
2: I, I saw his numbers the other day. I, I still don't believe them. I'd like to see what's <laughs> are a here from now, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock into that either. Um
1: Rubio would have been great in like the 50s or 60s. Bob Cousy shot less than 40% for his career. Um sure. but I just don't <laughs> He was really exciting when he first came into the league because we were still we were still at the edge of that last era of point guards, I think. Where yeah. guys like Rajon Rondo could be really valuable, um, but man, nowadays you've got to be able to shoot. And what one rumor that's out there is the New York Knicks stuff, which I read that maybe Rubio's camp <laughs> threw out there to try and maybe um, grease the wheels on his value
2: a little bit. But I don't.
1: <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know question. if he
2: makes sense for the Knicks. Go ahead. It's, it's been this like age-old tradition to mention the Knicks in free agency talks and like trade talks to drum up your value. What would make people think that the Knicks are sound decision-makers? Oh, they want this guy. Oh, they're willing to pay this guy. I need to pay him more. Somebody get Rubio's people on the phone.
1: Was it the Isaiah Thomas era? Is that what did it?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. That is kind of weird. I never supposed thought of that. you scared that the Knicks are going to be stupid enough to do that. Could and be. like ruin chance yeah if we're talking destinations for rubio maybe again and this doesn't help them out much but it gives them the best playmaker they've had in recent memory maybe the bucks
1: but think about how poorly michael carter williams has fit there for the same reason
2: he can't finish around the rim can rubio rubio at least kind of finishes is a better passer i was about He's to say a better passer for sure
1: i don't know about finishing around the rim though he is certainly a better passer. But Milwaukee's problem all season is that it's they basic. yeah, they have one guy who consistently plays who can shoot, and that's Chris Middleton. And um, they won't let Jambari Parker take threes. This this is a different conversation. But that's my dumb, goodness. Dumb. Yeah. yeah, don't
2: let's not even talk. They play him at small forward a little bit sometimes. Rubio NBA. is 50% fifty percent from zero to three average. feet.
1: Yeah. Do you see what he is from three to ten? This 26. is amazing. Let's just go through these. Twenty-six from three to ten, twenty percent from ten to sixteen, thirty-eight from sixteen feet to the three, which isn't terrible, and then twenty-nine percent from three. <laughs> Those are really bad. He's not he's not going anywhere at the deadline. No, I don't
2: I don't know how but, they could move him. I think he could at least still be somewhat of an offensive plus and you can get by with him on defense. I don't think he'll necessarily slow Minnesota's rebuild as much as Pekovic's contract per se, but where are you moving him? I'm, I'm looking at the list of teams right now. I can't come up with a single one that really might be like a really good fit. Is Indiana willing to acquire him for crud? Like, Are you willing to just take Flotsam for him? And then maybe the Pacers, they've been able to carve out some spacing with their weird lineups, but then you have Monte Ellis but, and Ricky Rubio on the yeah. same team, and that's a I was going to say a
1: big part of that is George Hill being able to shoot.
2: Exactly. So I can't. Can you name a team
1: that you think would trade? I don't. And I, I, or I can't. And that's why I think I agree with you. I don't think he's getting moved at the deadline. And I don't think that Minnesota's should be too upset over that. Cause how old is he now? Like 25? Yeah. He's, tw- and- he's 25. So he's still, I mean, there's still conceivable ways that you can make him work with the Wolves. If Andrew Wiggins can figure out how to shoot his um, last
2: healthy season too, 2013 2014 he shot 33 percent from deep which is at least passable yeah I mean, that's at least like, now
1: you have to that's at least a defender has to acknowledge the fact that you're out there which is more than they have to do for him now for sure but no i don't think he's getting moved <laughs> good so that would mean it's time to move on
2: who else we got um i guess teague we didn't really talk about Yeah, we him. didn't talk teague the Jazz and it's over. Where else is he going? Burke's Burke fatigue. Do it. Book
1: it. I don't. I don't mind Burke and Burke's fatigue. The more I think about it, the more I realize that Utah probably needs to move on from Alec Burks. I. What if? Go
2: ahead. The, the Jazz have two low end first, don't they? Like really low
1: end first. They have OKC's first this year, so it'll be low end, and they have their own first, which will be mid to low.
2: Do they have the Warriors first next year?
1: Oh, they do have another Warriors first. I don't know if that's this year or next year. Let me look it up. Hold on.
2: Must be this year because the Warriors picked this past year.
1: They got Looney. I'm almost there. Um, So Utah has – they have a 2017 first-rounder from Golden State. Oh, okay.
2: So, all right, ready? Go with me on this. Okay. Um Golden States first, Burke, Burks, and maybe OKC's first, for Teague and Corver. I would probably do that. They have enough I don't know they have enough young talent. You I, I was about to say Utah seems to not want to trade first round picks, but Well, I think that you... was
1: the previous regime. I think the general manager now, Dennis Lindsay, who's been there for like two or three years, he came from San Antonio. And I think maybe Indiana or something before that. But he always talks about like asset accumulation and how that's important to accumulate assets because then you can turn them into something else down the road. Right. So I don't, I do not think they would be opposed to trading firsts. And is I don't, that
2: too much for Teague and Corver.
1: I don't know if it is. Cor- Corver like 34. So that's the concern there. You can still shoot pretty well. But what I was thinking is just, Corver and Joe Ingles in a vacuum is <laughs> pretty obviously Corver, um, And then Teague, I think some people would be concerned that he'll take developmental minutes away from Exum next season. But I don't think that's as big a deal as some make it out to be because I don't think Exum's going to be ready to play like 35 minutes a night next year. He's pulled off a torn ACL. And he was, just from a pure basketball standpoint, abysmal. Last year, like the right. jump from Australian high school basketball to the NBA was literally unprecedented. Nobody's made a leap like that. Um, so I think he may need another year of development behind somebody like Teague. Um, man, just like looking at all those moving parts, I really like it for Utah. I Try and, try and sell me on why the Hawks would do it.
2: Why wouldn't they do it? Two firsts. Teague, a flyer uh two first Burks, who is somewhat of an insurance against Bazemore leaving, but he can be a playmaker for you too, but Hein Schroeder. You take a flyer on Burke, who doesn't have to be paid Maybe again I'm until two thousand
1: seventeen. I might be just too low on Burke. Maybe that's
2: get your why. head out of bed at
1: <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm hesitant. But uh, you think two late firsts
2: pushes it enough? N- if I guess it's something the Hawks do if they're going to actually like Hawford's leaving and they don't think he's coming yeah. back or they're going to trade him. Yeah, I can see how it makes sense for both sides.
1: I, I'd do that one too. We've come up with like what, three or four that we'd actually do
2: here? We should totally be GMs. Just <laughs> I
1: know. Um, we ha- there's maybe <laughs> – go ahead. Right, go ahead. I was going to say, unless you had anything else on Teague – no, there was a Teague for Oladipo rumor that just didn't make no. any sense to me. Okay, I'm glad we're on that the same sense page. That makes Zero sense for anybody involved. Yeah, I, I, that was very strange. What about Greg Monroe already being available?
2: Or that, rep- doesn't, supr- that doesn't surprise available. me. Just because the Bucks' defense has torpedoed, and they're when I last checked, which was weeks ago, they were statistically better with him on the floor. But that's just him playing with the starters he's really had to change the way they just defend in general and maybe last year was an anomaly and they're sort of this version of the Phoenix Suns where they decided to invest in a core that was flawed and had a season that was basically an aberration and now you're paying the price don't know who you get for him though because he's another guy who needs to fit in the exact like the exact right situation he's shooting really well from like long two-range this year. He can help you space the floor a little bit, but he doesn't defend. He doesn't play above the rim, even though he's a pretty good offensive rebounder. At the same time, you could argue on an individual level that he's been Milwaukee's best player. Yeah. Here's the
1: thing that I would think would be a little bit enticing about him, and we brought this up way back at the very beginning of the episode, is these guys who signed max deals under this cap right. just this last summer are suddenly... Like value buys
2: in the new cap. Here's the thing with that: he's going to be a free agent again in 2017. He has the option to become one after next year. So was it, he just had a two
1: year and then and then an option at the end? Two plus one, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's not quite as
2: valuable then. <laughs> Which makes it tough tougher to trade him. It helps, I guess, the Bucks, or makes it more likely that they would hold on to him to be like hey, let's see if we can make this Figure work. If out, not, we yeah. can let him go in a year pretty much because he's definitely opting out. That's a 4 down. <laughs> Here's something that you brought up to me
1: like a week ago or something, and the sample size is super low on this, but the Bucks, like four main guys, which is Michael Carter-Williams, Middleton, um, Anadokounmpo, and Parker with Monroe is minus 6.1 per 100 possessions. I think I just looked it up like a couple hours ago. Um, and then if you just swap out Monroe with Henson, again, it was Dan who came up with this, so don't give me credit. Um, sample size is really small, but it's like plus thirty, right? It's ridiculous. And,
2: <laughs> and they—it deserves more court time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they just paid Henson a ton of money too, forty-four million, which isn't a ton, but it's like, why are I mean, you not playing him? Yeah, eight figures. You usually think like. This guy should be on the court a little bit, a lot especially of it. When he's yeah, especially when he's you know clearly productive with the right players.
2: It's it's ironic or bizarre, whatever you want to call it, that the lineup that you just named works at all, just because it's still terrible floor spacing, and you could argue well, it should be worse offensively Henson because run. Henson isn't polished. Yeah, but well, it's better offensively. Yeah.
1: And that actually doesn't surprise me that much because... Pick and rolls. Yeah, pick and rolls. Modern NBA. If you have an athletic center who can run a good, hard cut to the rim out of a pick and roll, it really opens stuff up. Because (laughs) you do not want to give up an open dunk to a seven-footer. And so all of a sudden, even if Middleton, Kumpo, and Parker only have like six extra inches of space... When they get the ball kicked out to, out to him, it's worth it. Um, uh-huh. Henson is just he is more of a modern NBA center than Monroe is, in my opinion. I think you either have to be trending kind of towards a stretch five, or you have to be the pick and roll rim protecting type, like a like Tyson Chandler was two years ago, or like DeAndre Jordan is now,
2: or Dwight Howard in two thousand nine.
1: Yeah, or Dwight Howard if he goes to the Mavericks. <laughs>
2: I kind of want that to happen now.
1: I know. I, I that was completely off my radar, and I love it. Um,
2: Monroe should leave Milwaukee. I I don't know where you send him. Would Charlotte, instead of wanting to roll with the older Al Jefferson after this year, would they maybe build a package around him?
1: Here's the thing around with that Jefferson's is, expiring yeah. deal. Is Jefferson expiring? Yeah. That does that makes more sense then. But Charlotte has played generally better when, when Jefferson doesn't play. <laughs> when he doesn't play? Yeah, when he doesn't play. Aren't they a little bit more modern, a little faster? I, I feel like they play better with Cody Zeller, and maybe it's
2: just something that I'm pulling out of thin air. The other thing would be I don't want to see anyone <laughs> take minutes away now from Frank to Tank because he could be that stretch I kinda, five.
1: Yeah, I want to I see what he can do too.
2: The Hornets, though, are worse offensively and defensively with Al Horford on the court this season, so you're right. With Al Jefferson? Yeah,
1: what did I say? Horford. We had oh, Horford God. on the brain. It's fine. Um, yeah, I don't think Jefferson helps you win, and I think Monroe is in a lot of ways like a younger Al Jefferson. So I don't, I don't really know if that helps Charlotte. But I don't know where else you send him. <laughs> I don't. I think if you're, you're, Milwaukee, you're dead you might, on about Charlotte, now that I'm like looking at it, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, they have some. They have some young big guys that I would like to see get more yeah. of that time at the five. Can um, you
2: just send them to Philly since they just collect front court talent? <laughs> yeah.
1: At one point, they should trot out Monroe, Saric, Embiid, Okafor, and Noel. <laughs> Saric can play the one, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. I think I think if I'm Milwaukee, I just kind of bite the bullet and hope that they can figure out how to make Monroe work. You at least give it another.
2: You need to surround him with shooters. Yeah, but again, he's not going to help you pick and roll wise. He's going to go the post up style.
1: I think. (laughs) Just in, we we're starting to trend into a more general Milwaukee conversation, but I agree that they need more shooting, and I think. they can get some of that in house. I don't I don't care if Jabari Parker can only shoot like thirty percent from three this season. You gotta let him
2: start shooting him. Yeah. Monroe could work in Boston because they have so they have more perimeter defensive talent than the Bucks. You could put him at center that's true feasibly. If you get to keep Evan Turner, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, you have enough to make up for him being behind you. Who would who would Boston send back? Zach Lowe, I think, suggested this. David Lee helped the money match. Yeah, you send Jared Sullinger, and do you, maybe you need one of those a like pick. a late first? Yeah, uh, Dallas's first or Boston's first. That's interesting, actually. I it's, don't even know <laughs> if you need the first. It depends upon. I get, I'm trying to stop myself from saying it again. It's getting ridiculous, but Greg Monroe is going to be a free agent in 2017. I'm not sure how much you can get for him now, especially when he leaves Detroit and they don't necessarily upgrade the roster too much and just get way better. Yeah. And now he's in Milwaukee. A, a great team last year. And that doesn't big. help.
1: <laughs> I think I think some of that some of that Boston stuff you just throw up makes sense. It's funny that Boston seems to make sense with a lot of people. <laughs> because they, they have, have all these assets.
2: Right, and they have a roster that seemingly could welcome in any sort of yeah, player.
1: And they have they can lose pieces at any position too. Pretty,
2: Pretty much. much,
1: except for maybe point guard. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas is way too valuable. Yeah. Well, we I mean up. even they don't even really have anything behind him. Marcus Smart is kind of a point guard, but
2: defensive bulldog though that's true is fun as hell anyway um, what's that
1: is that it I think that's about it I'm sure there are more out there Um, we'll be back this week oh we'll definitely be back because we've got what two more days without NBA games we've got to talk about trades again oh for sure but uh, in the meantime we're going to talk about something else
0: Only one
2: like bacon. That's bacon! Yes, Bailey is right. It is time for what burns my bacon. And he is on fire about something right now. I can't tell what it is, but I want to know. <laughs> I am kind of on fire. And it's from All-Star Saturday Night.
1: Uh, in my opinion, the best All-Star Saturday Night ever. And a lot of people are... Uh, they have some attachment. I think it's a nostalgic thing to either 2000 or 1988. And to that, I say, just go to YouTube and open up the video of either 1988 Jordan versus Dominique, which also featured Larry Bird winning the three-point contest for a third year in a row. So that that should be considered as well. Or open up the Vince Carter ducks, which... Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Vince Carter 2000 dunk contest was bad. But the things that he did then, they were innovative at the time, but not. Like, he wasn't doing what we saw Saturday night. Not even close. Um, Aaron Gordon alone. One one dunk he did on Saturday that I thought was criminally under-talked about. He So the one that everybody talked about was he jumped over the mascot's head and put the ball under both legs, and rightfully so, because that was maybe the craziest dunk I've ever seen. But what about when he jumped over the mascot's head and put it between his legs, between dunking it, between (laughs) or before dunking it? I mean, and then he does the funky dunk with the mascot spinning around. He takes it perfectly timed, gets it in midair, and does like the Carl Malone hand behind the head, 360. Then on top of that, you've got Zach Levine going through the free throw line three times. Once off of like a bounce oop from Andre Miller, which nobody's ever done. Once uh, with, it was a windmill, right? He did a windmill on one of them. Right. Which we've seen in like other dunk contests, but not in the NBA dunk contest. And then he goes between the legs from the free throw line. So both of these guys are doing things that are just insane like they're hard for me to describe right now then you have the splash brothers facing off in the three-point contest which was was cool devin
2: booker just coming out of nowhere to make the final yeah that was
1: awesome the a three-man shootout before the finals with booker reddick and harden and then the skills challenge was suddenly cool too big men, yeah i thought the big man thing might fall flat on its face but leave it to carl anthony towns to save the thing and win it um I think all things considered, it was the best All-Star Saturday night the NBA's ever done. For sure. And maybe I shouldn't begrudge the older fans their 1988 memories, but I think if you go back and watch the tape, uh, you'll be more inclined to agree with me. And in fact, there were a couple people on Twitter who did that. They came to me the next day, and they were like, yeah, actually, I watched the tape. You're right. So... (laughs) I would just encourage, if you're still holding on to the memories of 2000 Vince Carter or 1988 Michael Jordan, those were incredible. Just because this one was better doesn't mean they're not incredible, but this one was better.
2: have absolutely nothing to add to that. That was just spectacular. (laughs) Burns my bacon. It was the best All-Star Saturday night ever. Best dunk contest ever, hands down. That was just it. Hopefully it'll be recognized as such as time goes on because we tend to mythologize the past. That's true. Eventually it'll become the past. I'm just hoping both Levine and Gordon are back next year, and I would guess that they would. And, and that would be the other thing. These guys actually want to do it. Yep. You don't have them avoiding it like your Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and LeBron, and, and that makes it fun as well. But that brings our time here to a close. If you would like to talk to us about All-Star Saturday Night or any of the trade rumors, that are swirling about the NBA stratosphere at the moment, you can get at us on Twitter. Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey, spelt like it sounds. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. You can get at Adam at Frommel09, that's fromal 9 You can hit all of us at the official Hardwood Knox Twitter account. That's all from us. Until next time. Shout out, Bino Udry
1: and Trey
0: Burke. <laughs> the iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone 10R. Join today and get iPhone 10R included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-Mobile or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone 10R with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus twenty eighty-four per month for thirty-six months. Full price 0 percent APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone 10R included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-Mobile or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus 2084 per month for 36 months. Full price seven forty nine ninety nine zero 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.